Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming to you live from the Seaport District of Pier 17, brought to you by Chase on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, the ESPN app. And it's just XM Channel 85 minutes away from finding out who said, I got to be better, I will be better. If the Boston Celtics lost the game one to Miami last night, that's in five minutes. 15 minutes away from the lie that is Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys that comes away in about 15 minutes. But going back to the Luka-LeBron conversation, my man Jay Williams said that he compares Luka Doncic to LeBron James in this yeah, way, right. how he elevates people and makes them better. Well, apparently gourmet chef Kev oh, had an it. Uh-oh, uh-oh, this ought to be good. He's my no, translator. Freddy, He's your translator? Freddy, let me, before you continue, let me explain. Okay. Here, watch me. Okay, I'm watching. Explain what, what I said. What Jay Will is saying yes. is the comparison is this. Right. Luca and LeBron carries their teams with nobody around them. He, they both willed their teams to victory. Mm-hmm. He is not saying, on the other hand, see, I went this way, that LeBron and Luca bodies are the same, athletic abilities are the same. He's not saying that Luca could have been a Division I NFL football player. That's not what he's saying. Right. Well, LeBron James could have because of his athletic ability. Here's it is again. Will the team to victory can do it all by themselves. Has nothing to do with leaping ability, athletic ability, throwing a baseball through the net, throwing a football 80 yards. He's not. Am I correct? Is that what you're saying, Jay? You are correcting your Okay, assessment. so now, Freddie, go ahead and say what you were saying. Thank so you for those clarity, people Joseph. that are listening yes. has nothing to do with athletic ability. Okay. See, that's what Gourmet Chef Kev hit at. Real J. Williams and Akeeshawn, Akee J. and Max saying that Luka is not athletic enough to compare him to LeBron. He understands about Luka getting everybody else involved, but when you compare him to LeBron James getting others involved, LeBron James able to finish high above the rim when they stopped him from doing his thing. But, you know, it's also, like, let me bring you inside basketball here for a second. It's the way they, they view the game. So people will try to say, you know, well, there's James Harden and Luka. I'm like, not, not really. Like the ball's in his hand, uh, in his hands a lot, but he makes the right reads, and it's something that I think Bron really values about Luca at this stage of his career, where you can actually talk. The numbers are comparable, mm-hmm. right? Like LeBron came off a, a big year where he averaged thirty-one points his third year. Then there was a drop off to twenty-seven points. Luca's averaging twenty-eight points. Like the field goal percenting is slightly less, but the three-point shooting percentage is better, the free-throw percentage is better, the rebounds and the assists per game are better than LeBron James's fourth year. So, But it's about being cerebral, Freddie. Like, yeah. That's where this dude is different. He can see, like sometimes if I'm coming for a screen, coming to me, and I can see the big is already hedging, before the play even develops, I'm like, oh, just slip the screen, boom, done. He just sees it, yeah. and he makes those plays so simple that it elevates the play of how you look at other players on his team. You're damn right they belong in the same breath because they elevate people around them, and they elevate themselves when it matters the most. Here's the one thing that is really, and I'll make the comparison. And he's a better shooter than LeBron. Well, yeah, especially at this stage now. There's yes. no doubt about it. Yeah, he ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He, he ain't <laughs> doing all this. That's right. not. He, he isn't. Right. And you know what? On a seven-foot rim, though. Right. Well, very funny. I've always said for the longest time that LeBron James is the best athlete that's ever played in the NBA because you've never seen that kind of size and ability to handle his ability to shoot the basketball better as he's gotten old in his career athleticism still at his age at this point in the NBA. For my money, he is still the best athlete that the NBA has ever seen. But the one thing that these two share in common is that when you've always been able to see the game at a different level, 
you're not only making yourself better, you're making other players better. It reminds me so much in Keyshawn, you made the point about Magic Johnson. Larry Bird was like that too with the Boston Celtics where he elevated his game and elevated everybody else's game. And he was more of a ground guy in terms of a guy that was a bad boy like Luka, but he could beat you not just playing above the rim. You can have different ways of elevating your game, elevating everybody else's game. And we've seen Luka do it to his level. The same with LeBron James has continued to do it to his level at this point in his NBA career. So I would love for people to debate me on this one because this is facts, what I'm about to speak. Like, Luka's skill set is exponentially better than LeBron James's skill set at this stage of his career. The skill set is off the charts, man. Look at the footwork. Look at the shooting ability. Even if you want to say the passing, if you want to say LeBron is a better passer slightly, like, but everything else, I mean, skill-wise, LeBron was crazy athletic. The passing was next level. But like all those additional footwork stuff, Luka's game is, is, is better. It's better right now. Well, like Freddie said, though, even in even like in my sport in football, there's different ways, as I always tell you, Jay, of getting it done. Yeah. Like a lot of people, like a receiver, for instance, the first thing they think about is, oh, my God, he's a home run hitter. It's like, well, all receivers are home run hitters if you put them in a system where they're going to throw the ball down the field. Sure. But there's very few that can do many different things and add value on the slot, the X, the Y, the Z. And that's where you look at both LeBron and you look at Luka. You talk about the passing ability. You talk about LeBron being able to play above the rim where Luka can play outside the rim and do step backs where it took LeBron James a long time to be able to shoot the basketball Mm -hmm. as well as he shot it late in his career where Luka in his fourth year, fifth year, is already doing those sort of things. You know, Keith, I'm not sitting up calling Luka a better overall player Right, because I think also different though, yeah, so He's different. A and different LeBron player. was crazy athletic defensively, man. Like he was not the liability that Luca is. So defensively, LeBron James better player overall, right? Complete package, but the offensive skill set of what this dude can do. Yeah, LeBron played better defense, all yes. that sort of stuff than than Luca. So I get exactly what you're saying. Don't worry about. Chef Kev burning food down and all that. Don't even worry about that. <laughs> Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance and ESPN Radio, ESPN2, the ESPN app, and since X-Men Channel 80. When you think about it, you can put Jimmy Butler kind of in that same category of elevating his game. And I thought it was very, very uh, on point with Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson said last night during the broadcast. He said Jimmy Butler, when he first got to the NBA, kept working on his game to make mm-hmm. things better for him and his teammates. Yeah. And we've been able to see it manifest that, where he was putting it on Philadelphia. He said, y'all chose to bias Harris over me? And then what he did last night, having 41 points in that game one victory over the Boston Celtics, and it led Jalen Brown to say, and I quote, I can be better, I will be better. And those two guys said, he and Jaylen, Jason Tames said, point the fingers at me, point the fingers at us, we got to be better. You can impact the basketball game, and we saw Jimmy Butler do that in the first half, it was great. In the second half, he was out of his mind, setting that tone well, and making plays time and time Freddie, again. I, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. Like, I, I give Jimmy Butler and Miami all the credit in the world. But if you're Boston and you're watching tape of this game in the third quarter, you're like, what the hell are we doing? Like, Throwing Jason, the ball away. Yep. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. Jason Tatum had four turnovers in the third. Like, that one that we just saw, okay, it was a turnover. But, like, the passing, like, he sees Jimmy Butler from the weak side. He's just being loose with the ball. So he's going to have 29 points. People are going to say, well, he shot lights out. I'm like, yeah, but he didn't play well. Like, but, he needs to be tighter with the ball. So, Their team needs to be tighter. So, like, in football, Jay, and you answer this for me in basketball, at the highest level, because you played at the highest level, when somebody applies pressure to you, it makes you have – a bad second half uh-huh. and turnovers and things of that nature. The fact that Jimmy Butler was doing the things he was doing, 
Did it apply pressure to them in the second half where all of a sudden they were rushing their shots and trying to do more than what they should have been doing? So this is what I know about the Heat culture, Key. So Espo, or as they call him in South Florida, Spo, Coach Spo, right? I've been calling him Espo since way back in the day. Does not like when you gamble defensively. Mm-hmm. He hates it. Yep. Like okay. he will chastise you for doing it. And there's a quote from Jimmy Butler post game where he's like, man, I'm glad I got those two steals from the weak side <laughs> because I, I shot the gap and Spo hates when I do that. I shouldn't have done it, but it panned out and I got two steals that led to fast break points. So there wasn't pressure on Jason Tatum on some of those passes. He's just not seeing the floor. It just seems like a, it's like a quarterback throwing a lofty pass. We're like, yo, man. You got to throw a little bit. But how do you see the floor in the last series, but you don't see the floor in this one? Or just in game one, in game one. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. Different different matchup. No, I asked Jay. The reason I asked him that, though, Freddie, because he played the point position. And me, naturally, in my mind, I'm like, well, the floor is the same. The team is different, but the floor is the same. So if I see the floor in this particular game against this particular team – I should still be able to see the floor against this team. So what, what Miami does is all their pieces are so long and athletic. Yeah. Okay. Right? Windows they, are smaller. They exchange everything. So yes. that wasn't the case when you had Joel Embiid on the court. Yeah. It's like a pick and roll. You couldn't just switch. Okay. Right? Because Joel Embiid would be a liability out there against a smaller guard to a degree. Yep. So what happens is when they do that, like the guys are longer athletic. And what Jimmy does is on a lot of these plays too, when you're seeing it, like Jimmy comes from the weak side. And you kind of see him down like in a crouching down, like a like a tiger, like prowling on his prey to a degree, right? And that's where he gets a lot of those steals from because mm-hmm. you don't see them because they're sides in their lane. Like, like, that's just a dig down, man. Like, you don't need to – he's trying to get a call on that. Like, I, I'm just trying to tell you, Jason Tatum needs to be better. Now, we can sit up here and talk about Marcus Smart guarding Jimmy Butler. We can talk about Al Horford not being on the court mm-hmm. and what that allows Bam to do defensively. But if Jason Tatum is better – they don't get it. They don't go with this run in the third quarter. Yeah, that is completely fair. They outscored Boston thirty-nine to fourteen in the third quarter, including eighteen to two to start that third quarter. Miami winning game one of that series, taking a one nothing lead against the Boston Celtics. Don't forget about the NBA playoffs and ESPN Radio. Game one of the Western Conference Finals tonight as the Warriors will host the Mavericks in San Francisco. Presented by Indeed, covers begins at eight thirty Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations. How much more concern do the Miami Dolphins have about Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback? And is Jerry Jones really the problem in Dallas? That's next at the J has this from FanDuel. That was a good setup. You're welcome. That time. Thank you. FanDuel Sportsbook <laughs> NBA same game parlays. Give you the chance to turn a little bet into a big payday. You hear that, Yates? Choose any NBA game and combine multiple bets into one wager for bigger wins. Plus, if you're a new customer, you can bet five bucks and get $150 in site credit instantly. Guaranteed. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code PLAY to bet the NBA today. That's promo code PLAY exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's l e c t r i c ebikes.com. We're going to talk about that whole Cowboys situation and the lie that involves Jerry Jones being the owner of the oh, Dallas man. Cowboys. That's in a couple of minutes here. And Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, Freddie Coleman, and for Max Kellerman on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Series X-Men Channel 80 and your smart speakers. Always good to talk NFL. That man, Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. He joins the show to talk a little about the Cowboys. And also about Tom Brady, Jeff. What do you think about Tom Brady with all this stuff going on, <laughs> with him getting money after the NFL? He's about to be part of a roast on Netflix sooner than later. I mean, I don't understand anybody who signs up for a roast. To, to me, it's, uh, that's a tough play. But, you know, there's some material out there. I liked this past, uh, when he came back from out of retirement, when people were like, man, five weeks with the kids and you're already back. So I'm sure there's plenty of material. I'm sure people have a lot of fun with it. But, man, for me, I'm not signing up for a roast. What would you say to him, though, Jeff, if you were there and they allowed you to roast? I'm just learning about a roast, but what would you say to Tom? By the way, Jeff. He didn't know what a roast was before we started this segment today. Just want you to know that. That's cause that's that's all Key does is roast people. He that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what they said, though. I didn't know that, Jeff. I'm like, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, people do that on a TV show? I thought we do that every minute of every day. <laughs> what would you say to him, though? I'd probably stick to the retirement stuff. No. You know, to, really? Uh, no, exactly. See, Jeff, what would, you, this what would you all say? See, what? Jeff, this is where the, you, this you is know what's going to go here. You know there will be some comedians that will start talking about, like, so, Tom, you got the Johnny Drama, you know, calves going on. Like, what's up with it? Like, there, there, there will be some people <laughs> that will be tapping deep into it. That's what I want to see, where it gets slightly uncomfortable yeah. for Tom, where he's right there going, it's uh, kind of, oh, yes. Yeah, I would make you, yeah, I guess I now that I'm understanding a little bit better about the whole roast thing, I probably would 
try to make him as uncomfortable and pissed off as possible. Yeah, because he, he'll use it. They'll need, yeah, they need Bill Belichick Again, though, it takes a certain person. Yeah. Yeah, it, Bill Belichick would be pretty good need Bill Belichick But it takes a certain this. person to be able to roast. Yeah. That is very true. Jeff Dalton, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us here. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. Forbes says the Dallas Cowboys were $6.5 million. And Jerry Jones said if he told Peter King from Friday morning quarterback, he said that if he tried to sell the Cowboys, $10 billion. But he also, let me make this very clear. I say definitively, I will never do it. I will never sell the Cowboys ever. Jeff, when you heard that, what did you think? I mean, that makes sense to me, honestly. That's like, uh, you know, it's like some of these companies that are just huge. It's like Elon Musk. You know, he's got, all, he's got everything wrapped up in Tesla, but he ain't selling Tesla. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, this is his baby. This is Jerry Jones' um, world. This is his company. And honestly, it's also his life. It's a family business. And the, the really interesting thing about Jerry is that, like, around the league, I mean, I talk to executives. I know that most people look at Jerry as a general manager and they see, oh, yeah, he's also a smart businessman. He is the idol of so many executives around the league when it comes to stadium building, when it comes to team building and, and getting valuation of a team and doing all of these interesting things to do that. And by the way, he's also been a huge reason for the NFL's growth in general over the years. So there's a lot of other owners who have high valuations of their teams and they have Jerry Jones to thank for it. So whatever you think about him as a quote-unquote general manager, I'm telling you right now, he is absolutely Hall of Fame, no question about it, when it comes to being an owner. That's, you're absolutely right. With that being said, though, look, Jeff, can the Cowboys, this construction of the Cowboys, whether it's this year, two years from now, three years from now, can they win a Super Bowl for Jerry Jones? I think so. Look, I, I, I wholeheartedly, first of all, believe it is so difficult to win the Super Bowl. For any team to try to blame one person for uh, the inability to win the Super Bowl, it is such lightning in a bottle. It's so hard. Uh, and it's so hard to repeat. It's so hard. Like that's, it's the reason why what the Patriots did over the past 20 years is just absolutely ridiculously incredible. It's such a difficult task year in, year and out. But that being said, I, the one thing I'd like to see the Cowboys maybe do more of is they still subscribe in large part to a little bit of an old school mentality when it comes to roster building. If they could bring it up to date a little bit, and, and I'm not saying like go full analytics and all of that, but, but maybe just make decisions a little less with the heart, which Jerry seems to so often do and a little bit more with the brain. I think that they would have slightly better chance, but either way, I think they can get there. I, and, and I think they can do it with Jerry Jones absolutely as the owner and as the general manager. See, the problem I have with everybody, though, Jay and, and Jeff, is people all think that Jerry Jones gets in the way of the Dallas Cowboys, Freddie, winning the Super Bowl. And I'm like, he doesn't call the damn plays. Yeah, so that's, that's my thing, Jeff. So yeah. you know, people ask that, like, does Jerry prevent them from winning Super Bowls? I don't believe that, but what do you think? I don't think so, but, you know, the one thing I will say, I won't let him off the hook entirely because he hires the people who call the plays. And part of being a great owner, it all trickles down. You know, you look at bad organizations, and that is not the Dallas Cowboys, but when you do look at it, you know, it starts from the top, and then they make a hire, and that person makes a hire, and all of a sudden you've got uh, an ineptitude that trickles down through the organization. Again, that's not mm. the Cowboys, but I would say that Jerry is as responsible uh, for the play calling because he's hiring the guy who does that as he is for acquiring the players. But look, when you're at the top. 
you have to answer to everything. But, yeah, that's true, though. But, look, check this out, though. Do you have a problem? Let's just stay kind of recent. Do we have a problem with the hiring of Wade Phillips? I didn't have a problem with them hiring a Wade Phillips, right? Wade Phillips did a tremendous job. He couldn't right. finish the deal. Do we have a problem with him staying too long with Jason Gary? Yes. That's yes. Yes. That's that problem. Yes. That's if, problem. Do we have a problem with hiring but, Mike McCarthy? Not really. Yet. It's on the verge. But, but to your point, Key, what I was saying, the thing about, you know, making decisions with your heart over your head, I think that Jerry lets his loyalty sometimes get in the way. Yep. And that could be the case, for instance, with – um, with Jason Garrett and staying too long. Honestly, you could make, I know some Cowboys fans make a case for the Ezekiel Elliott contract that eventually it was just as hard. He loves Zeke so much. He's like, I'm going to pay the guy. Was that a shrewd football move? Probably not. So, you know, I think that again, I don't blame a guy for using his heart. It's great to see in the NFL. I don't think he gets enough credit for that, but it also can curtail what you're trying to do uh, in the end if you keep doing that. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, joining our show on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Billy and Freddie Coleman, our boy, with us today. Jeff, I, I see the beautiful trees behind you, and I know where you're at. You're down in South Florida. Uh, and, you know, it, literally the Dolphins nice. on holding OTAs with new coach Mike McDaniel. And I, I'm curious, We everybody starts breaking down Instagram videos, the highlight video <laughs> of throwing the ball and all these assessments come out of it and Key's like if he's under throwing Tyreek Hill now what is going to be like in the game I'm like stop I'm just curious like what do you think the expectations for Tua should be this season all I know is by the way I love the guys down here I know a lot of these guys but even in the social media department but Tua should not be taking the heat there that should be the social media yes that's what I said how are you going to do that to Tua that was brutal and it's like, you know, one play in the middle of an OTA in May. Like, come on. But I will say, like, you know, uh, it is going to be uh, – hopefully that is not symbolic of what's to come because this team has really loaded up. And they've done so not – you know, a lot of people say, oh, they're doing this to, to support Tua. And that is to a degree the case. But they're loading up to try to be a good football team in general. This is what the Dolphins have been trying to do the past several years – to acquire draft picks and ultimately use them, whether to draft players or to make trades. They've done all that. So, yes, it is to support Tua and to try to get the most out of him, but it's also to get the most out of the team. And if Tua can't also raise his game to that level, that's a problem. But I think that we will finally find out once and for all what Tua's potential is, and there are people in that building who believe that his potential will be enough for a playoff team. Well, see, you know, Jeff, the thing is, is I think there's an opportunity there to make the playoffs. They have some players on the offensive side. The defense was solid, but the defense was solid under Brian Flores. Brian Flores is no longer there Mm -hmm. constructing the defense, and there's going to be a little bit of change, especially on both sides of the ball with the coordinators. I think, though, when you look at this thing with Tua, this is an audition. You're down there. This is an audition period, much like you said, for Tua. Because next year's crop of players right. that are coming out are pretty decent quarterbacks as of right now until the film really starts to get broken down for those guys in January of 2023. And we'll know who the front runner is at the quarterback position and if Miami is That's in right. position to grab a young guy or even a veteran guy, so to speak, because the team will be built a certain way to make a nice playoff run. I just don't know about Tua yet. We've been saying this for three years now. I- yeah. I just don't know. 
I feel you, man. And I, I think that that, if you're a Dolphins fan, is the nice part of this. Even if you're a, a, a hardcore Tua supporter, you can at least look at this and say, the good news is we got two first-round picks next year. So they got the ammunition. And basically, so you're sitting here, you're saying, okay, we can, we're going to build a team that supports our quarterback and find out what he has. But if he doesn't have it, we still are in a good enough situation to be able to have basically a plug-and-play roster for a really good quarterback to come into. And that, to me, if you're an organization, that's the position that you want to be in. You can go ride or die with your quarterback, but if it's the latter and it's, it's death, mm -hmm. <laughs> at least you got to be ready to bring somebody in and fill that spot. Especially you probably started the death on Instagram by Sean Tua talking about a little underthrowing Tyreek Hill not exactly helping this situation man. when it comes to the Miami oh, Dolphins. I felt so bad about catch! Or Tua. It's horrible. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine if you're Tua... You're two and you're scrolling through your Instagram yep. and you're like, oh, there's a really? there's me. Really? Conspiracy there's theory, oh, Jeff. No, not The Miami that Dolphins one. are trying to sabotage Tua. Wow. That's what's happening. They did that <laughs> no. purposefully. No doubt. Hey, Jeff, great stuff, my friend. We'll talk to no you soon. Shot. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Thanks, great stuff guys. by ESPN uh, NFL reporter Jeff Johnson joining us in Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Now, Jay Williams saw a great performance by Jimmy Butler the Heat last night in game one, beating Boston, but that was helped by the Celtics, in his opinion. Does an FOS friend of the show agree? Get it, Cousin Monica. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Keyshawn Johnson, J. <sighs> Wentz, Freddie Coleman, and for Max Kellerman on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, ESPN2, and Sirius X and Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. So game one of the Eastern Conference Finals in the books, and Jimmy Butler was doing his thing and doing it and doing it well with a 41-point performance. Miami wins game one, 118-107. Monica McNutt is part of the coverage for ESPN Radio for the Eastern Conference Basketball Series, and she joins the show here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And Monica, J. Will saw a great performance by Jimmy Butler, and we all did in game one, but he felt the Boston Celtics helped by their bad passing and also turnovers in the third quarter. You were down there. What did you see? Good morning, fellas. Um, I think you're onto something there, Jay. Mm. Um, my seat courtside was closer to the Celtics bench, and more than once, you could see that Ime was, and now mind you, Ime is cool as the day is long, um, but he was not happy with some of the decision-making um, on that end in terms of passes. And I think it was a combination of some poor decision-making and the amped-up pressure by the Heat, particularly in that third-quarter run. You know what I saw, Monica? Even though Jason Tatum had 29, I, I, I said this. I, we were talking about this the other day where everybody was like, oh, well, who did Miami beat in Atlanta and Philly? And I'm like, well, they, it was great defensive exchanges, but I felt like Miami had, like, better legs than the legs that I saw Boston have going through KD and Kyrie going through Giannis. And even like those Jason Tatum turnovers, they just seemed like they were careless, tired turnovers. <laughs> like where he just looked like he was a little bit like he was tired. He was drained. Did you get that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And I think Doris on our broadcast remarked about that a couple different times, um, whether it was sort of him frustrated with the no call and kind of taking his time to get back and putting his team at a deficit because of that, or just kind of fatigued because, Listen, it was on him to contend with a Heat squad that was clicking on literally all cylinders last night. And so I think that's a fair assessment. I do think, though, the Horford news really kind of, I don't want to say tailspin, but you find that out three hours before a ball game. I think that is a big piece of some of the lack of continuity you saw from the Celtics last night, even just down to the basketball of it, right? Like mm. the Heat are able to dig in and get those two uh, – Gabe Vincent comes up with those two strips of Robert Williams on the baseline because Al Horford's not an element in which you have to account for in terms of his ability to stretch the floor. So um, it, it was interesting. It was an intense ball game, I'll tell you that. 
So I know Marcus Smart not available, and he had a great series two years ago against Jason, uh, you know, against Jimmy Butler, really holding him to shooting. But Monica, when I when I put Jimmy Butler in the same sentence with Michael Jordan as the only players to average 28 points per game, five assists per game, two steals per game, on 50-plus percent shooting from the field in a single postseason. What does that mean to you? Um, listen, that is rarefied air. But I think, and I'm just sort of obsessed with this stat, and I'm going to keep saying it through this series, Jimmy shoots 51% when the possession starts off of a defensive rebound. Like, it was literally Revenge of the Body Snatchers, switched roles, whatever movie you want to reference, the team's completely reversed roles from the first and second half. And so you played exactly into what the Heat do well and how they excel at basketball. Monica McNutt joining us this morning from South Beach. I know you're hanging out and having some fun while (laughs) making sure you're doing work with the Miami Heat and the Boston (laughs) Celtics. Joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. How much did they, the loss of Smart in Al Hartford affect the Celtics, though, last night? Both of those guys. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, Key, I put it at like 8, honestly. In particular, Smart, I think, okay, so the Horford news coming late throws your whole game plan, right? But Smart, to Jay's point, there's an edge that he brings. There's a character that the team sort of follows after when he's out on the floor. And not for nothing, there were points where I just kind of looked at, at Jason and Jalen and I didn't necessarily love the expression on their faces. Like, that third quarter, they got punched in the mouth as a team. And they did rally a little bit late in the fourth. It was a little bit too late. Um, but I think you saw the clips last night of Smart on the bench. And he was talking to Tony Brothers a ton and kind of encouraging his guys as best he could without being in uniform. And so he is a personality that not only changes the complexion of a game because what he can do on the floor, but his competitive edge, his demeanor, his spirit, all of that stuff. What's the, what's the likelihood we're going to see Smart and Harford for yeah. game two? Um, I think the Celtics are pretty optimistic about Smart. Listen, worst case scenario on this Horford thing, y'all, like, that could be game four. Like, he's got a clear protocol. And I don't, like, you know, we're prepping for other shows this morning, and I, I love Wendy, and he's ears, ears to the street on the ground. Um, as he understands it, the Celtics feel like, you know, there are things that they could do better, um, and they're not wildly concerned. But to me, if Horford isn't available until game four, that's a huge deal. Like, and I get it. House money, the Miami, not house money, but Miami was fresh. They were at home last night. The Celtics have the ceiling, the room to play better. But I think the Horford thing is a big deal in this series if he's not available until game four. And, Monica, that, I mean, he spaces the floor. He allows exactly, Boston to Jay. hit those gaps, you know what I mean, to get to the rim when he's not on the court. If I'm sitting there, like, I'm bam, I'm not worried or respecting Robert Williams or Daniel Tice. Y'all, y'all shoot the listen, ball y'all want. Not only that, but, like, I thought Bam played really well, even though he didn't put up monster numbers. He had those two signature blocks. He was physical, like, the whole thing. He's able to spend so much time in the paint because of football. But beyond that, like, for Jason, the spacing is off there, too, right? Like, yeah, he had 29, but it wasn't efficient. The turnovers, I think. Al helps with the turnovers because he's a steady guy. Like, he's going to help you make good decisions. And if nothing else, he's going to be your relief in terms of um, avoiding an empty possession. Like, there's a lot with Al Horford. Not just the defense. Like, he opens up the floor for everybody else. Like, if he's on the floor, you can't – literally, y'all, like, those two strip plays by Gabe Vincent, who I thought played phenomenal last night, like, Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen if somebody has to account for Al Horford. Like, and Robert Williams played great in the first half. But, again, everybody needs the space that Al creates. Monica, I know you're hanging out down in South Beach covering the game and paying close attention to everything else, all NBA. So what, the, what is it that the Mavs need to do 
to try to get this upset against the Warriors, not in game one, but the entire series? Man, Key, I won't say this keeps me up at night because my life is very full and not that big of a deal to me, but (laughs) I have been really thinking about how you can make the rational case for the Mavs potentially upsetting the Warriors. And beyond Luka, the one thing that I keep coming back to, and last night I was kind of looking at the height and size of the starting lineup, the Mavs, to me, their defense is just a little bit underrated in terms of Reggie Bullock and Jordan Finney-Smith, who you could put in the 3 and D category, although Finney-Smith has done a great job of expanding his offensive game. Their lengths at both of them are, I think, 6'6 and 6'7, respectively. The White Powell comes in at 6'10, like, and Jalen Brunson is stronger, although he doesn't necessarily give you the height, right? So if, and, and this is a little bit of a stretch, if they can take – some of what they did to Phoenix in terms of wearing Steph down with some of that size, like to me, that's a good look. And then remembering games one and two versus the Jazz, Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie were terrific in transition. So if they can find a way to get some easy baskets, but that's sort of a counterbalance to what makes Luka who he is in terms of him not being sped up unless he wants to. So mm. I'm just I, th- that's something that I'm watching. The Warriors system obviously makes that a lot harder because you guard Steph 94 feet, cool. Draymond's going to bring the ball up. Like, not a big deal. Um, but those are kind of some of the wrinkles that I may be looking at. Um, but it's, this is going to be a challenge it's for the Mavs. I do think it's going to be a better series than people think. But, um, yeah, I think right now I'm leaning Warriors. Yeah, nothing to do with me, Jay. <laughs> on Twitter, at McNutt Monica does a great job as an ESPN basketball analyst. Monica McNutt, she'll be part of the coverage for ESPN Radio for the Eastern Conference Finals. Joining us here in Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. I appreciate you, my sister. You All take right, care and enjoy the series. All right, Auntie. Don't do too much power right, 112. <laughs> Don't do too much 11 now. Later. All right. Stay out of that business. Go ahead and preach that stuff, man. Jeez. At 11? Stay he said out. the food is pretty good. I Eddie love it. Yeah, Stay I, out of that one's business. I tried the thighs one time. <laughs> oh, goodness. Let's just get away from that. If you played with Tom Brady in the what? NFL, would you take part in roasting him? That comes up after we talk about this with Keyshawn Johnson. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is here for you. Ew. And there's always <laughs> Jay, Why you do that Because voice? it. Will you all stop, right, I, man? Focus, okay. Gotta start all over again. <laughs> for all the ones who get it done, Granger is here for you. And they're always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, along with 24-7 support, experienced staff, and curbside pickup at over 250 local branches. And you can get a free access to product specialists ready to help you track down hard to find items. Plus, Granger's commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people even safer. So call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just simply slap Jay upside the head and stop by.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, the ESPN app, and 6X and Channel 80. Keyshawn Johnson over there, Jay Williams over there, Freddie coming for Max over here. Yeah. It's always cool to have an NBA player, current NBA player, a man who's been a three-time NBA defensive team pick, and boy, he gives you the straight talk. He is Patrick Beverly, Minnesota Timberwolves guard, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. PB, our producer, Evan Wilner, said that when you walked into the studio, you said even though the Miami Heat won game one last night, 118-107 over Boston, you said the Miami Heat are in trouble. What did you mean by that? Um, I mean by uh, a healthy Boston. I don't know. I don't know how that looks yet. You know, obviously Al Horford didn't play, Marcus Smart didn't play. But you know, if you're a basketball player and you, you're looking at a basketball game, one game, um, how they started out the game, how they pressured the the guards. You got Jason Tatum trying to initiate offense. That's really not. I, I, I won't say he can't do it. I'm just saying that uh, it's easier when Marcus Smart is out there when he. Uh, initiating the offense. Um, again, we touched on attacking, uh, you know, playoffs all about attacking mismatch. Mm-hmm. Pritchard, uh, Pritchard, they put him in everything. Just like, you know, when I said about the C- CP, you know, it's it's not that. It's, you know, it's just playoffs or matchups. You know, you can't guard, you go get exposed. And they did it time after time after time in the fourth quarter, uh, kind of crippled their defense, uh, got bodies off, 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 off Butler and, and, you know, can't really stay attached to him there. So uh, with a healthy Marcus Smart, pressuring those guards, Al Horford, I mean, uh, initially I didn't know coming in, but I like Boston now. So, so now, as you see it though, if they if there is no Marcus Smart, what you're saying though, if there's no Marcus Smart, then Boston won't have a chance. Yeah. But if there is, they will have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's gonna be uh, Miami Heat, uh, you know, blowing them out game by game. You you see, they were up ten. Boston came back, called their way back in, uh, cut it to four. Uh, but you know, without any Marcus Smart. That dog, that defensive player of the year, Al Horford, Mr. Do-It-All, Mr. Reliable. Uh, without those two, it's going to be tough to win. So here's the crazy thing, P. So obviously JT is prolific, right, as a scorer. But mm-hmm. I said, like, it takes 
people don't understand how hard it is to be a two-way player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, to give the effort that you give on a defensive end, but then to also drop 30 points every single night. So when I'm watching him guard Jimmy Butler, I'm like, that takes away from his legs that he's already taken away from, from guarding KD, yeah. from guarding Giannis, all this stuff. That's where you need Marcus Smart more yeah. than anything. Because Marcus Smart is that dog that you can say, you know what, just go get Jimmy. Like, all this stuff, Jimmy averaging 28, 29 points per game – I want to see that against Marcus Smart 24-7. Yeah. That's what I need to see. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and um, when we talk about it, like, uh, not even only, like, offensive, defensive coming from Jason Tatum, like, now he got to bring up the ball. You know, now he got to initiate the offense. He got to score it. He got to play make. They got bodies in the lane. Uh, not, and he has to defend it. But he, he's not defending it where he's stuck on Jimmy Butler. They, they coming in with Piatrick. They, they setting the screen. He's, getting, uh, uh, he's not attached to him. Now he gets attached to him with Jimmy Butler off a of pump fake. Everybody knows he likes to pump fake. He's in the air. So it's tough. It's when, tough. When, when do you think it starts to – this happens? Like we talk about like, oh, they start Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, right? Two undrafted dudes that are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals uh-huh. that are starting. It's been to their benefit. That they've been playing. Like, there's been no liability with these two dudes on the floor. Yeah. When do you think that flips? Because, I mean, does it flip? Does it not flip? I like, mean, does, Mark, does Boston take advantage of that? I mean, they will. I mean, you see when the game started, Derek White, he was pressuring. Man, he was pressuring guards, picking up 94. They was dribbling the ball off the leg. You know, of course, they made some adjustments coming to halftime, put the game, put the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands a little bit more, initiate the offense there. But, I mean, they need Marcus Smart, man. They need Marcus Smart, and this is, you know, this is a perfect game to see why. Hey, Pat, is is Jimmy Butler the best player left in the playoffs? Like the not playing the best, playing, is he playing the, the best. best, yeah, playing the best that's left. So initially, I last couple of days I, I I went with Luca, um, but you talking about like like Jay said, you talking about a two way player, a player that plays offense, defense. Uh, you have to go with Jimmy right now. Uh, he's proven he's leading them. They're number one, number one team in their conference. Uh, so you got to go with Jimmy right now. Yeah, he's, he, he, he's a like I said, Jay, just like Pat Bev. Can't stand him unless he's on my team because he in you, he all you're up on you and making you hustle too much. That's how I look at Jimmy, right? I'm like, I don't really. I, I like him if I'm a, with me, but as an opponent. That's got to drive them dudes crazy, man. Yeah, it's it's not, but he's not flashy. Crazy. Yeah, no, that's not the thing. flash. That's the thing. You know, he's not with the normal NBA circle. He's not on Instagram big. Uh, <laughs> he's not, you know, he's not flashy. He's not out there twing, 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 twing. Has he pulled step backs? He, man, I'm, <laughs> you know, he's not doing that. I'm going to come in there. I'm going to pump fake three times. I'm going to get to the free throw line all the time. There's nothing you could do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put pressure on your defense. I'm going to put pressure on your paint. And I'm going to make the right plays. Last thing I'm going to say, man, I love when I see dudes, like, back when I was coming up, back when I played, it was like, yo, it was one move and you were gone. It was one move and you were gone. So you say tween, tween, cross, hezzy. Like, I feel like that's what the league is now. By the t- Some dudes got you beat on the first move, and they, but they too busy doing four of the moves afterwards. Right, Jimmy, sure. Jimmy so, don't do that. So what you do, because you obviously sticky gloves, you all over it. What do you do, though, when they get to doing all that five and six and hippie boom, boom? Like, Stay in one do? spot. Yeah, I said, I, 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 I force him one way. Uh, if a guy doesn't like to go left, I'm going to force his up. If you don't like to go right, I'm going to force him right and, and live with the numbers after that. Hey, Patrick, mm-hmm. keep doing your thing, man. You're going to be taking somebody's job when your career's over. You got I mean, miles to go before that happens. Life, he right. need to be coming. <laughs> he need to take a damn job <laughs> with the Lakers and stop playing. Wait, p you were here on TV one? <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Yeah. Appreciate oh, you, my brother. Uh, yes, <laughs> see? There you go, Freddie. No. He knows. Winner. No, no, no. He, no. no. he Pat, knows. Pat, Pat, have you seen Sam? Try to tell this man what he has done. You have seen Sam? Yeah, but I'm very small.
Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. We'll be right back.